Blog morning and welcome to the rudder uh, that's the name of our show and uh, this is Bill Eastman who's going to be a host for a number of these shows uh, we don't have any guests today this is our inaugural session and uh, we're going to be testing out our technology we're going to be testing out this service and uh, creating a record of it for future use uh, today is Monday the 22nd of June and uh, for those of you who follow the natural occurrence of the sun and the planets, today is the first day of solstice. In fact, solstice hit us at about 1.40 uh, East Coast time uh, this morning. Uh, so our show topic today is to kind of lay the groundwork for what is what is uh, what are we going to do here. Uh, our focus is small business. Our focus is entrepreneurs. Our focus is growth. And our focus, especially now, perhaps is even more uh, defining growth. It's about survival in a very, very difficult economy, regardless of what country you're in. We are operating um, uh, today out of Richmond, Virginia, but we're a North American company, so we have uh, various offices in the United States and Canada. Um, and as I said, there will be no guests today. So uh, why the name Rudder? Well, uh, most people who um, have some... Um, seawater in their veins understand what the rudder means or at least to them it means uh, to steer the ship and uh, it's a, a piece of uh, apparatus wood plastic etc that's appendage appendage off the end of the ship uh, to provide guidance and in this case it goes further back than that it's a it's an old word it either has a Dutch or a French connotation um, or source or root to it and what it meant was in the old days, especially if we go back to the days of, uh, of Henry the Navigator, the, uh, the Portuguese uh, chart maker from the 15th century, is that the early ship captains, there were no charts produced. There was nothing universal about it. And so it was a, it was a closely held secret in terms of where were the rocks, where were the shoals, where were the passages, well, where was the danger. And what they had done at the time is taken what was known about navigating around the world or what was little known about it, but put it into one source. So if you were hired um, as a pilot, not as a ship captain, because that meant more of control over the ship itself, more like a military authority, but if you were hired as a pilot, your job was to get the ship through these dangerous waters from A to B, and that you were use your specific and unique knowledge, uh, knowledge that was not available to any type of layman. And so when you hired a ship captain, you really hired, in many ways, his papers, his charts, his, his rutter, as it was known. And that's what I offer to you, is that uh, I've been in the consulting business now for 30 years. I spent the first 25 or say, um, working in large corporate consulting and 
helping organizations in a number of areas from strategy to human resources um, to process improvement, et cetera, et cetera. Pretty much, we ran a full-featured house. If we didn't have the talent to do the job, we would go get it. And the um, we tried to improve how those businesses operated and improve the lives of people that were in those companies. Uh, much to naught, not because we didn't do good work, but because the complexity of charge, you know, changing a large corporation. Um, most of you probably are familiar with the analogy of a super tanker and uh, that how long does it take to, uh, to turn a ship of that size. In other words, if you're standing on the bridge and you yell helmsman hard, uh, hard left or come left to course 202, what you'll find is that about eight, nine miles later, uh, a large ship of that size begins to answer the helm because of the amount of mass and inertia going in one direction, which I think is very true about any type of organization, whether it's in the private sector or the public sector, is that change is hard to make. It takes a long time for the ship to answer. And, of course, you've got a lot of people in the process who make it difficult to pull that off. Uh, so we decided to take our technology and our our lessons and take it uh, down market to small businesses. And I don't say down market in any disparaging way. What I mean by down market was I my passion has always been for small businesses, small business owners. And I'll tell you a story in a second that, that um, relates to how I um, how I got enthused about this new business. Especially you need to be enthused if you're going to start something as crazy as we've started. Um, but what we wanted to do is we wanted to take the knowledge and technology that we possessed, and we wanted to take it to people who really needed it but couldn't pay for it, um, which is the small business owner, because the large consulting houses operate much like um, law firms. Uh, lawyers are charged by the hour, consulting firms are charged by the day, but it's kind of the same dynamic. And I remember being in the position where I was managing a number of project managers and you would, um, I, the word you would use is manage, the word they would use is beat, but you would manage them daily on things like what's your average per uh, fee per day, how many days a month are you selling, what are your margins, etc. So there is a pressure to sell, there's a pressure to be busy, and many times in a consulting operation you wind up billing, um, finding ways to bill the customer, even if that is the amount the most appropriate. But the the essence of that story is this, is that the old consulting model of operating like a law firm and charging for services does not work with small business. So the challenge we had was how do we build a business model where we could provide the same quality of, of high, uh, provide the same high quality information as any other consulting firm, but price it at a point that the small businesses could afford. And that went to coming up with a brand new business model that went to coming to technology and new platforms and and running what is essentially today applied knowledge labs is one of our companies that is our it is our marketing sales uh, delivery and support firm and content sourceware is our intellectual property firm that owns the uh, the rights to the software platform. We operate much more like a software company than we do a consulting firm, and the reason for that was simple. We had to get the same high-quality information in the hands of the people who needed it the most at a price point uh, that they could afford, and so that's the direction that we've gone. We've spent about seven years now, and I don't even talk about how much money we've got invested in this. So what this show is about 
is just another path, another medium, whether you talk about Facebook, you talk about blogs, you talk about um, uh, writing for Inc. Magazine, it, it doesn't matter. It's how do we get this information in people's hands in the most cost-effective way possible, and that's exactly what this show is about. Now, today, I was going to kind of lay the groundwork, and that's what I'm doing for how we're going to put the shows together, um, what we're going to talk about. We are going to have host uh, uh, guest host. We are going to have guests, but pretty much it's going to be my show, 30 minutes. And the reason that we pick six in the morning is for two reasons. One is a as an entrepreneur, I am typically up 4, 4.30 every morning, and there's a lot of things I like to knock off. So by 8 o'clock when the rest of the world is operating, I've already got a half day in. So my guess is that there are a lot of people like myself who are getting things done before the day starts. But also, number two, you have the ability to download this information. So we may change the timing of when the shows actually run live over the next couple of weeks. But for the next two weeks, we're going to target 6 in the morning. And, of course, you have the downloadable capability of any time um, taking us down. Um, we do not have an iPod ready, by the way, yeah, which is a service that Blog Talk Radio offers. And the reason for that is we run um, uh, all on open source Linux platforms. And right now, uh, Apple has, does not deem open source um, worthy of programming. My guess is, just like Microsoft, they see the handwriting in the world and that they're all, uh, on the wall in their old business model of uh, proprietary software is pretty much dead. Open source is here to come, but that's a anyway. That's a different story for a different day. So let me tell you what you can expect over the next two weeks here. So if I take you down the list uh, today, we're just going to introduce you to you know, the radio, and this is a way of, of streaming. Uh, live or pre-recorded information to your business about how to run it more profitably, how to run it more efficiently, and in these current times, how to how to not only survive but come out of this uh, much stronger. Um, tomorrow's show, which will also be running at six, is that we're going to be talking about the laws of business and gravity. And I, what I mean by that title is this: is that in physics. There are a number of physical laws uh, that pretty much apply to everything, and if you violate them, you, you kind of get into trouble. And gravity is probably the greatest example, is that if you get off balance, uh, you will fall down. And so there are also, just like the law of gravity, there are laws in business. And what we're going to discuss are those couple of laws that if you are a business owner, an entrepreneur, one, you will know about. If you're in business long enough, you will learn these. Um, now, that's one way of learning them. The second way of learning them is actually getting a head start and saying, here are the things I have to take into account as I grow a company. Um, and over the next two weeks, uh, these will probably represent the only areas where any real business theory is going to be involved. Everything else is very practical. And so that's going to be tomorrow's show. On Wednesday, on Wednesday the 24th, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to provide you a, a series of profiles of what successful entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship looks like. And this is a combination of research that we have collected over the years as we built our company, but also research that we have done since we went live in uh, 2006 to say, gee, what, if, if I'm an entrepreneur, what are the things that I should be doing with myself? Because let's face it, all small businesses are idiosyncratic in that they reflect the characteristics of the owner. Um, all small businesses are quirky. 
They have personalities. Our business is quirky. It has a personality because predominantly it has my personality. We're all kind of strange and weird. And if you're an entrepreneur, that you kind of take that as a badge of courage. But what does successful entrepreneurship look like? And there are some commonalities that you can look at regardless of the entrepreneur to say, this business is successful because the person in charge does the following things. Um, then on Thursday, uh, on the 25th, we're going to take the first of a, a number of stages of growth. And we're going to take the first stage, the, the pre-go-live stage, the pre-sale stage, the stage where you say, okay, I have this dream, and how do I turn this dream, transform it into a plan that's executable? And so that's where we're going to be on on Thursday. Friday, we're going to be talking about the second stage of business growth, and that is where cash is king. This whole issue of sell, 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 and the entrepreneur or owner's role in the sales process. Then we jump ahead to Monday, the 29th, next Monday, and what we're going to be talking about is stage three, catching your breath. You know, the next act, okay, you've survived, you proved the business idea, you survived, you have a couple dollars into your pocket. Now what? Now what do you do with the business? And so it gives you an opportunity. The state's going to talk about how do you kind of reassess where you've been, how do you determine where you're going to head next, how do you build kind of that winning organization. On um, Tuesday of next week, the 30th, we're going to be talking about what is truly the growth stage of these stages of growth. And we call that big fast. And that is growing to capacity. You have invested uh, money and time and energy into the organization. You have built some infrastructure. You have products. You have services. You have employees. Um, what is the maximum you can expect from this first investment in the company? And how do you grow it to where you're getting the optimum performance from the firm? And that's where we're going to be taking a conversation next Tuesday, uh, the 30th. On uh, Wednesday, the first day of July, uh, we're going to be talking about Okay, you've reached the pinnacle and you've grown the company. Now, what's your future? Do you sell it? Which, by the way, if you're looking to sell a company, you sell at the top. This is the time to sell. Do you sit on your laurels and watch the thing decline? Or you say, okay, now I'm excited. Now we really got this thing going. Now we really got a company. And you reinvent the firm. And you take the company and you grow it to the next level. Then on Thursday, uh, the 2nd of July, what we'll talk about is the the issue of path to market dominance, and this is going to be this is going to be the issue about reinvention of the firm. And what we're going to assume here is that you're not going to sit and watch the thing age and go bad. So you're not going to do that. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And two is that you're in it for a longer term. And you're not going to sell it. So then, okay, then how do I reinvent this and build it into a better business? Well, how do you do that? And what is that path to market dominance? Because one of the things that we will tout all the time is that your goal is to become a market leader or market dominator, whether that is a small niche in your local area or it's a greater, like the greater Richmond area or it's the mid-Atlantic states or it's North America. How do you go out and dominate your niche to where you become the player? And then next Friday on the 3rd of July, we will conclude this with what we've learned about fast growth. And it's very interesting is that the commonality and the characteristics is that growth is actually very predictable, not only in the short-term tactical growth, as we will be covering starting with uh, 
Wednesday's show and going to next Thursday. But also, if you look at companies that have gone from zero to a billion, what has happened in those companies? So that is kind of our agenda. You can find it on our blog spot. Um, you can find it on our talk radio site, The Rudder. So, okay. So let me then take you, I've given you the list, and what we're going to be doing now, and we've got about 13 minutes remaining to the show, is this. I put all of this research into a book called The Code. Now, we've never produced the book, and the reason for it was when I first wrote it in 2005, right before we took the company live, it was our thoughts about how to grow a company based upon the research we did and based upon the fact that up until 2005, I had I already had four startups under my belt, uh, two startups uh, that were done inside of companies where I started business units or divisions, and two startups where I did them on my own on, alone on the outside and had to secure money and et cetera. But I didn't feel it was the book that I wanted to write or the book that I wanted out there because what it didn't have is it had it was a collection of this is what we think, not a collection of necessarily this is what we've learned and what I'm comfortable about today and what we're going to be doing over the next two weeks as we talk about these stages of tactical growth all come from our book, The Code, which is more than likely going to be available here in the next 30 to 60 days as we have gone through a rewrite and we have added our experiences from growing companies as well as growing our own. And so that is the book that I'm going to discuss, The Code. How does it work? And the idea behind The Code is that we see ourselves writing what basically is the next piece of software. Now. Let me give you just a, a tad bit of theory here. Uh, I come to the business world from the physical sciences. I was trained to be an environmental engineer. I spent a good time in the United States Coast Guard working in the marine sciences and meteorology. And so I'm very comfortable looking at the world in systems. Systems theory is something that I didn't know that I had learned until later on I was working on a graduate degree in management and we studied systems theory and I went, well, this is nothing more than oceanography and meteorology. And I want to apply that now to business because I really think that's part of this, this the, the, there's laws of business like, there, the, like, like gravity that apply. And so one of the issues is when you look at a business, you look at a company, um, it is just a, a series of processes put together into kind of a major system and that what I must understand is that if I'm going to affect the performance of the whole, I have to understand how the parts interconnect. And just because I fix a part doesn't mean I fix the whole. As a matter of fact, in some cases, when I make one part better, that actually exposes problems in other areas. And so when we look at this, and we're going to discuss this at length, not as kind of an independent topic, but over the next two weeks, we talk about this. What we, what we see is that in businesses, there are typically five core processes. There is a financial process about how not only do you manage money and you do the things that are normal and traditional, which would be to look at profit and loss, balance sheets, the things that you would produce for the bank or for your taxes. But also, how do you, how do you measure and manage 
cost within the firm, which most small businesses aren't very good at. There's a second core process, which is around how do you put together strategy? How do you collect market information? How do you go out there and figure out what is going on? Where's the competitive advantage? And then how do we decide who we are? How do we build our brand identity? And then how do we put together a strategy uh, whether that strategy is how do we assign budget, how do we come up with um, uh, strategic initiatives, how do we put together a market plan, but how do we say, okay, if, given if the competitive advantage in the market is X and our brand is Y, how do we deploy our resources to make sure that we get there and we take advantage of that? Uh, the third core process area is the whole thing around sales and service. How do we acquire new accounts? How do we support the sales that we've already got? How do we reach out to customers who are existing firms who have spent with money with us in the past? Um, either they're orphans and they've left us or they're kind of doing something with us but the relationship's not strong. So that third one takes a look at that this whole customer uh, exchange, whether it's a sales exchange where we're trying to convince them to buy something or persuade them to buy something, or number two, we're trying to manage the whole nature of the relationship now that they've purchased it and they've consumed it and now we support all of that process. The fourth um, major core process is a core process that is around the production and execution of whatever it is that we provide. Um, whether you're a company that makes tangible things, things that people can buy, or you're in a services company, you still must have some production process. And one of the things that you'll hear from us, and a piece of advice that I recommend to everybody, is turn everything you do into a process, map that process. You may be too small right now today. You may not have enough people to get your arms around it, but I guarantee you the time will come where managing that process will determine whether or not you grow the company, whether or not you're profitable, whether or not you're successful. So we take a look at what is the whole area of production. We have, in fact, we have two major core competences as a company. One is in the research arena, and the second one is in product development. Those are processes that we have inside the firm and we have mapped. And then the last one has to do with relationships. Um, how do you hire, bring people into the firm? How do you uh, how do you develop them? How do you manage performance? How do you compensate them? How do you find partners? How do you find suppliers? In other words. Um, companies are nothing more than an economic society. Um, it's a social network that has economics at its core rather than um, just relationships at its core. But how do we build the relationships that drive the firm, whether it's employees, suppliers, et cetera, et cetera. And so those are kind of the core processes in a company and how those go together to make a system for your firm, which is going to be unique to every company that we that we encounter and will encounter, how do you take a look at that? And that's an, that's an area that we're going to talk about week, uh, day to day over the next two weeks. The other theory, and then you'll have everything you need for your MBA on fast business growth, is this issue of the law of cycles, in our particular case, life cycle. If you've had any um, educational um, uh, training at a university around uh, products and companies or markets, you know that products go through life cycles, uh, companies go through life cycles. And so how do I look at this? Because it's very predictable that there are stages of growth that a company will go through. There are indices 
that say that we are or you are at this stage of growth that says here are the things you must attend to. If you don't attend to them, you will not move on. You will not pass go. You will not collect $200. What are the things that will tell you that you're beginning to transition out of that into the next stage of growth? And then what are the things that you need to do here? And the beauty of this is especially in the smaller businesses where we don't have lots of people laying around just getting ready to go to work for us. We don't have a lot of time because it's pretty much us as the people who are managing the time of everybody else. Um, and we don't have a lot of money. Is that, the, that each stage of growth has its own set of particular issues, issues that are relevant to the business right then. And so instead of diffusing your effort and kind of being everywhere and trying to do everything, which happens in a lot of companies and a lot of companies that I've worked in, is that it gives you the ability to put down the shotgun and get out the rifle and say, look, a lot of things going on, a lot of things we could attend to. There's two or three things, though, that if we don't knock down, we don't move on. So let's, let's get out the rifle, let's target those things, and let's, and let's get those things done. And that's what we're going to do here. We're going to provide the process we're going to provide that process that you need to say, okay, at this stage, what are the things that I need to attend to and what I put my focus on? So we're going to be talking about life cycles. Now, very briefly, it gets you prepared for Wednesday's show where we're going to feature this. And from Wednesday this week until Thursday of next week, all we're going to be talking about is these cycles is stage one, the first stage of a cycle, is what is called the dream to plan. And by the way, I will have uh, the transcript of our radio show up on my blog site, and that is the rudder. Um, and it's part of um, Google um, Blogspot, or you can go to um, uh, HTTP, uh, williameastman.blogspot.com, or go to Google Blogger and just type in rudder, R-U-T-T-E-R, first one is called dream to plan. How do you take your dreams and transform them into plans? How do you do that as quickly as possible to get the market as possible? How much research is enough research? Um, you don't want analysis. You don't want paralysis by analysis, but on the other hand is that if you're just going to go out there and wing it, you could be dead wrong and waste all your time and money. Once you've made a decision about where in the market uh, is the competitive advantage, and for you, the thing to consider is this. Where is the largest amount of unmet needs with the highest potential economic return that if we went and did it, we'd make some money? That's kind of what you're trying to decide. Stage two is called go live. And at go live, go live is all about sell, 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 sell. Because without sales, you will not have sufficient dollars to prove the business idea, to last that period of time. And that's part of what's going on. If you can't sell it, then there's something wrong with the offer or there's something wrong with who you're selling to. So that stage two is all about sales, and it gives you incredible feedback about the quality of your management team, the quality of your business idea, the quality of the products and services, but also tells you whether or not what you're doing is viable. Stage three is called the next act. And the next act simply says, okay, you catch your breath. Let's take a good hard look. Let's think about um, what we've learned, what we what we thought we were going to do when we started this thing, because I can guarantee you what you thought the company was going to be isn't what the company is at this point. You had some good ideas that you failed to deliver on, you want to hold on to. 
you had some other ideas that weren't so good that you want to release. You learned some things along the way that you want to include, as well as you learned some things along the way you want to make sure you avoid. And what that next act is, is it kind of clears your head to think about where you want to go next and prepare you for the next stage because part of what has to happen here is whatever infrastructure you lack to grow the company has to be developed right here. Now, let's, let's go to the next one. And that, that, the next one is called um, Big Fast. And that's stage four. And what Big Fast is is that this is a time when you ramp the company up and you grow it to the maximum that it can produce at this particular point in time. Now, the danger here with this one is, is getting out of balance between sales and, and production. In other, words, in other words, what happens here is that many times um, – the companies overpromise and then underdeliver. They make lots of sales they can't deliver on, and they destroy their working capital. So this is all about how do you stay within the working capital that you have, and how do you make sure that that what you build, you can sell, or how much you sell, you can make. And the idea behind this is that you will grow to the maximum capacity, someplace around 95% of what you can produce, and that'll take you to the that'll take you to the first plateau. And then after that, the company kind of stabilizes. And stage five is in the stable phase. And what happens in the stable phase is that you make a decision of whether you sell the company, watch it decline, or, as we talked about before, reinvent. So anyway, what I want to do is I want to thank you for tuning in, whether you're in at 6 o'clock this morning or you download this. Um, you, I've given you my uh, blog site to go look at, our corporate uh, blogs, uh, corporate website is AppliedKnowledgeLabs.com, and I'm signing off today. This is Bill Eastman, Applied Knowledge Labs on Blog Talk Radio. Thank you very much.